0: Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a
1: grown-up. If you listen on the Entale app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hi, everyone. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I've got really sore boobs, (laughs) really sore boobs. Like... (laughs) I don't know if it's PMT sore, but sorer than that. Can't be pregnancy sore. Um, is it? Is it? Is it perimenopause sore? It could be, or it could be that finally, after seven months of this shit, I've got so fat that they're genuinely going to explode. They actually feel. I can feel them sort of undulating as I move, like waterbeds strapped to me, creating sort of pressure. Um, how are you, Em? Um, thanks, Annabelle.
0: Hi, I'm Emily. Um, I'm absolutely fine, except for I'm I'm absolutely not no, fine. Not, I'm not fine at all. I think that I have reached a point where all of my sort of worst demons, things that I thought I had basically kind of put to bed are just coming back to haunt me and I feel
1: absolutely devastated actually. They just want to remind you that you're their plaything, and you can't get away with it. Yeah I
0: think they're just basically saying exactly oh you thought you had it licked huh well Mm -hmm. let me tell you let me show us what we can do let me flex our muscle and so I feel like I'm sort of under siege from yeah and I know they're just feelings and I know that they they should too this too shall pass and I know you Yeah, know, but remember
1: how much emotional wear and tear we've all been through
0: yeah that's true that's true and I just don't feel like I've got the capacity to kind of fight them off in the way that I would normally and all the old things are not working so anyway but things are looking up because our next guest has faced the horror And come through to the other side. Andrea McLean is a loose woman, an award winning journalist and broadcaster, and author of three best selling books. The latest of these is This Girl is on Fire about what she learned from having a secret breakdown last year. Now the world is actually on fire. Andrea's honest brand of kindness is exactly what we need. How are you, Andrea? Well, I'm absolutely fine, but I'm kind of wishing I had a preemptive we wee
2: before we started this, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to last all the way through. So I might just have to do that thing where, you know, like girls, we all go to the toilet together. Just just come with me. You'll be fine. Just,
1: just, just come with me. We'll just carry on. You're in the right place. We really understand about the just-in-case pee. Although the terrible thing is that you're supposed to apparently train your bladder, train it, and not have the just-in-case pee. Someone said to me the other day, who was, you know, wanging on about bladder training over dinner and said, what's the worst that can happen? I said, well, <laughs> <Leakage>. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry,
0: Andrew, that we put you in this position. It's but fine. we're very happy to, to all we together. Yay. You know? That's fine. Exactly.
1: It's our USB. <laughs> it is. Congratulations <laughs> on your incredibly brave book. Yeah. Thank you. First of all, what does a secret breakdown look like? Do you know, I think the weird thing about being
2: in the public eye is that people call things secret if you just don't tell everybody. You know, it, it wasn't secret. My family knew and, you know, the people who are around me who are the normal people that you would talk to about something like this, they knew. It just was not was secret because I didn't stand on a street corner and go, hey, world, <laughs> guess what? I'm actually in the middle of a nervous breakdown right now. I just <laughs> did what normal people do and, you know, dealt with it with my husband, my family, had therapy and worked through it. And then once it was all over, mentioned it. And that was it. So there was nothing sort of secretive about it. But there's this weird thing. It's like people are in a secret romance or people <laughs> secretly move house. They don't secretly move house. They just don't ring up a radio station and go, Breaking news! This is happening in my life.
0: They're just normal people secretly
1: painted the living room, fire and ball, yes. black and secretly <laughs> had a sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Am I right in saying that really you sort of hit this rock bottom hard and fast when you were when you were recording Who Dares Wins? You were filming Who Dares Wins. Yeah. I I would say you had to be quite insane to even do Who Dares Wins. You'd be right to say that. I mean, how traumatic is it? It's a whole SAS shtick, right? Never sounded more yeah. dewy. Never sounded more <laughs> <dewy>. <laughs> Um Well,
2: carrying on with that theme, you have to have a fair amount of chutzpah to do it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You, oh my God, how insane do you have to be to do SAS Who Does Wins? If there is a scale of one to 10, you have to be a 15. And <laughs> as I say in in the book, I didn't go out looking to do this TV show, they came and knocked on my door and and I turned it down a few times because that's what sane people would do. And then they kept asking and so I thought, Maybe there's a reason why they keep coming back to me to ask me to do this. Maybe I'm... (laughs) Because no other bugger would say yes. That's the
1: reason. (laughs) Oh, the universe, the universe is sending me signs. Maybe, or maybe they're just desperate because it's so hardcore.
2: Well, that was the honest answer. And I knew that. I knew deep down it was that they clearly, you know, I've worked in TV for 400 years. I know, (laughs) I know the gig. I know that, okay, so they've been casting. They're clearly looking for an older woman and they, they, you know, and everyone else has said no. And they're getting desperate. So they keep asking me because literally I flew out 10 days after I said yes. So it wasn't like, you know, I said yes. And then did four months of training or anything like this. So I was smart enough to know, right, they're only ringing me back because clearly they're, they're desperate. And it wasn't even like I was holding out for more money. I did it for free. I did it for charity. It was, it was a genuine, I just don't want to do this. And then I thought, well, okay let me have a proper look at the video clip that they'd sent over. And, and I thought, just ask yourself how you feel when you're watching it. And if your gut reaction is, for the love of God, no way, then there's your answer. But, so listen to your body and mind. How do you react? And I watched it and I thought, there was a little bit in me that was excited and thought, they think I can do that? That's amazing. What if I can? Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. <gasps> and I sort of rationalized it by thinking, well, I'm never gonna win because I'm, the clearly going to be the oldest person there which I was and at the time I was the the oldest female ever to take part in SAS Who Does Wins and so that helped make the decision because I thought I'm not pitting myself against anyone I'm just curious to see how I'm going to get on and that was my mindset you know people have asked me oh were you aware that maybe you were a bit fragile and that as you got pushed you know this would happen to you the mental side of it didn't even enter my head it was the physical brutality of it that I thought it's going to be hard and it's going to be cold and difficult and this sort of thing. But, you know, a lot of people who are in the public eye and do reality TV shows, like essentially SAS is, you know, if, you're, if you've been putting on a front, then there is a worry that maybe all oh, people see what you're really like. That didn't bother me because I thought I am what I'm really like. So that's fine. For me, the moment that it all went boom in my head, took me as much by surprise as everybody else. I didn't expect it at all. And what was that moment? What were they doing to you at the time? Well... Obviously, every series is different. And uh, for for our series, for the opening of it, I mean, we were so stupid. We kept thinking we were going to be abducted at any time. So we were literally like scuba-doing it and thinking, this is the moment where they jump up the bushes. And then, of course, the moment, and that was three days, because we flew out to Chile in South America and we were at altitude and it was cold. So we were high in the mountains, there's snow around and this sort of thing. Um, Of course, the moment it did happen, we were met by a group of people with, microphones that they had to put on us and we were like oh my god of course they're, they're gonna have to mic us up 1st <laughs> we'd be literally every, just... everywhere we went thinking like kato in, and <laughs> inspector Clusa was gonna come running out after us <laughs> and throw us to the ground um so yeah when the moment actually came it was a bit like oh i've wasted three days of nervous energy Some <laughs> the cameramen
0: going excuse me love can you just lift your shirt up <laughs> you're like oh okay exactly yeah, but what exactly. they did to you and um, they did to you so... after that was pretty brutal though
2: Yes, so they they we basically were driven to this place out in the middle of nowhere, and then they um, they mic'd us up, and we were had bags put over, over our heads, and we were driven on this uh, on this boat in the in a lake and stuff, and then the boat kind of arrived, and then all hell broke loose, and literally you were grabbed by the scruff of the neck and shouted to get off and all this, and even though my head was going it's fine, it's fine, it's a TV show, it's a TV show, they can't actually kill you, it's okay. <laughs> My, my mother bit of my head was going, oh, my God, because it's really scary. And we got led along and we haven't even met them yet. Led along by the end of this edge of this lake. And then we we're all standing there with our bags over our heads. And I could feel you can't see anything, but I could feel they were obviously lining up and whipping the bags off the heads of the people because I could feel them sort of moving. When one of the SAS guys who is actually a really lovely, lovely guy called Billy he ripped my bag off my head, and he's standing like this, I mean, so close, and all I could see were these eyes, and he literally, he looked into my soul as if he could see everything I really was, and he hated every single bit about me, and in that moment, it was like, you'll know what I mean by this, as women... We wear masks all the time. We wear our mum mask, our woman at work mask, our daughter mask, our sister mask, our friend mask, our wife mask, all of this. It was as if the moment the bag got ripped off, I was literally raw and this man stood in front of me and looked me up and down and hated everything. And in an instant, I was taken back in time to a really horrible, dark period in my life where another set of eyes looked at me like that. And it was as if I was just as raw and vulnerable standing in Chile as I had been then. And even though, you know, it all happened so quickly, and then he went on to the next person, and then next thing we're being asked to jump in the lake and then fall backwards out of a helicopter. It all happened within minutes. My brain psychologically was, I think, in shock because... We've all done this. You've experienced things in your, in your life. Some people, unfortunately, and I unfortunately am one of those, you experience more traumatic things than others. And you put them in a box when you're not dealing with them anymore. And you put them in a box and you bury them in the garden and you don't want to look at them anymore. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that box flips open and it was all there. And it was, I felt so raw completely raw it was as if every nerve had been severed so what I was reacting to wasn't actually what was happening then and there which was bad enough my head was in a whole other place and that was something that took me totally by surprise but they were super smart they're trained for this kind of thing because they're the SAS and they recognized right away that something else was going on so I got pulled to the side and um spoken to and Essentially, what they're, what they're trying to do is break you down and put you back together again. You know, the others lasted longer than 0.1 second, which is what I did, which just goes to show I'm never joining the special services, because clearly I break really, really fast.
0: Um, and that
2: was what happened, was they sort of broke me down and put me, put me back together again. But I have to say, I'm glad I did it.
1: Did they put you back together again, or did you come home changed in such a way that things had to be dealt with a
2: bit of both um while i was there uh the two of two of the um sas guys uh aunt middleton and uh ollie ollerton uh you get pulled aside and taken into interrogation rooms and they they basically they push you until they've got to the to the to the core of you and what was shown on tv was just a few seconds of of what was actually a very very long process and uh they, I said stuff to them that obviously will never be broadcast and, and, and I won't necessarily talk about in public, but I explained to them what it was that I'd experienced and what I was feeling. And, and I, this is what I talk about in the book, is that in that moment, the atmosphere in the room changed and it went from them wanting to break me down to explaining that now, whenever they shouted at me, they wanted me to react. They really wanted me to to t- take all that fear. And th- the whole thing of making myself small, don't don't and I call it in the book, don't wake the beast, don't wake the beast, actually stand up really tall. And an and aunt was, you know, I want I want to see you get angry with me. I want to see you push back. And the more you do, the more proud of you I'm going to be. So I am going to keep yelling at you, but know that I'm doing it. To help you and you know it was strange because he was still shouting and swearing at me come on number four and all this sort of stuff but I almost wanted to make him proud of me I mean clearly I'd be a rubbish spy I break within a minute and then I get Stockholm syndrome <laughs> within a day I want them to like me what was great was actually you and, and this is what I mean by you you were you were right on on both accounts in that they did help me realize that I'm I'm a lot tougher than I think because I kept I just kept going I could have I, I don't know how much longer I could have kept going for I actually got hypothermia and that was why I ended up leaving um hey-ho um but what happened was I came back and I you know I'm a I'm an elder daughter i am i am a I'm a you know, I was a school prefect, I'm a, I'm one of life's copers. I'm very neat and tidy and I came back and thought, well that was really hard but that's done now. But on the day that it finished for me, I rang home to tell everyone, you know, I'm alive, I've survived and uh, my dog died and he died while I was on the phone home and anyone who has a dog will understand just how truly awful that was he was my boy he he got me through my divorce when I was first on my own with the kids you know he was a big dog as well so he took up a lot of space and he was a big warm-hearted lovely lovely dog and not only was it traumatic that I'm ringing home and I can hear the kids crying and and Nick was upset and uh, you can't do anything you're powerless but when I arrived back you know and I'm and battered and bruised and my hands were all cut and all this. And all you want to do is come home to your familiar surroundings. And that weird thing, if you open the front door and it was deathly quiet, no pun intended. The dog's not running towards you. His bowls were gone. And um, I genuinely think that played a big part of it. So, you know, nothing was the same again. Even My reality had shifted and I went back to work and was trying to just snap back into old ways. And I couldn't. It was like I'd taken all this stuff out of... You know, like when you unpack a sleeping bag and you can never get it back into the bag again? It was like I was yes. trying to get me back in this bag
1: and there were bits sticking Fucking out. I couldn't hell. get it all back it in again. It fitted in here 10 minutes ago. I know, in that tiny, like, That's exactly it. Of
0: vacuum-packed away, and you're like, this is a conspiracy! <laughs> Machines have done this! Fuck off!
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. So I mean... were you feeling... Were you, were you able to keep going? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good. This I'm is the really thing about good. women, though. I'm... I think women generally are really good. And this yeah. idea that people go, "Oh, what happens when there's chaos and with the kids and with this this and you know how do you how do people cope?" And I go, "Hang on, we're better than that."
2: Yeah, we're
1: not all like drinking gin in the morning and going, "Oh my," you know. And you know, we can keep going, even though I, I mean, I think I had a, I I think I had a breakdown years ago whilst continue to go to work every day and go to the gym yeah. every day, and this is
2: it. I did all of those things, and uh, and that doesn't diminish it, and people might say, oh, you clearly didn't have a proper one then. Actually, no, uh, no nervous breakdowns are created equal, they're all <laughs> as unique as, as we are, you know. Um, no, I kept working all the way through, apart from when I finally face-planted, it, it coincidentally happened uh, uh, two weeks or so before I was booked to go on holiday, and I went away for two weeks. But... Even on that holiday, I still was behaving fairly normally, even though inside I could feel my eyeballs twitching and I wasn't quite the same. I was thinking, oh, well, I've looked forward to this holiday all year. I don't want to spoil it by falling apart. So you still kind of keep yeah. going. Um, yeah, it's... And also, it doesn't happen in one big peak. It's like a heartbeat. There were moments yeah. and where I was terribly overrun with brutal, brutal emotions and memories. And it was like my body was remembering how traumatized I'd been. And I felt like that again. And then I'd kind
1: of pull myself together. But so it was happening almost like lots of mini strokes that build up to a big one. I think it's important to remember that things like pain and trauma and, and, and heartbreak, they are not linear. You know, we're not mobile phones, we're, we're, we're creatures. And I always liken them to contractions. Because sometimes, if I'm feeling like that like that, I can back myself into a really dark, cold corner, and I can truly believe, with every cell, as you're saying, that that is how I will feel forever. So I remind myself that if it's if it's a contraction, if you can breathe through it, something will change.
2: Yeah, when you get down, and this is when you know that you're in trouble, is when that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and um, I I got to the darkest point that you can get where the alternative is not being here anymore. And I was so fortunate that uh, it didn't work. And again, this is the, I was alone in a hotel room working away. And uh, the next morning, after literally spending the whole, the rest of the night lying on the floor, literally sobbing, I got up, I had a shower, did my hair, went to work, knocked out the park. No one would ever have known and again, people might think, well, that you can't have meant it. I did, every fibre of my being, I, I, I meant it. And that was when I really knew that I needed to speak up and get help. And interestingly, I didn't tell anyone that that was the reason why. I, you know, I had already said to to Nick that we need, you know, I'm in trouble. I can, you know, we we need to reduce my work pace because I was working all the time. We're working together on the business and this sort of stuff. And I could feel I was spinning. Um, He didn't even know that I'd gone through that until the book, because there's so much shame associated with getting to that darkest place. And, you know, it really, it was, it was love that put me back together again, it was love for my kids, love for my husband, love for my family, but it was also shame about what I, you know, how could you possibly have got to that point? Look how much you have, and you feel so awful, so you don't want to tell anybody. Um, But now I'm, I do talk about it, I'm talking about it now with you, because I think that, you know, there'll be so many women listening who will feel so much shame that they've got to that point. And you feel like, it's on so many levels. What have I got to complain about? There are so many people in the world who are worse off than me. Um, you know, I have someone who loves me. How could you possibly think of hurting them so much? But at that moment, your mind and body and spirit is in so much pain. You can't think of anything else other than wanting it to stop. So if there's anyone watching or listening to this thinking that's where I am right now, if you hold on, You can feel sunshine again. You genuinely can. You feel like you can't. You feel like you're in a bog and you feel like you can't breathe and your face is covered in pins and needles and you feel like every hair is sticking up on your body and you're so hot. But you will and you can.
1: And so did you get some professional help?
2: yeah yeah I did and there's I, I had a lovely therapist I, I reached out to a friend of mine who uh, they'd had therapy and I um I just said look would you I don't know where to start with this sort of thing where do you go do you, you, know, you go on google and how do you know if anyone's any good and this sort of thing and and so it was someone local to me and uh, yeah I did and Again, there was shame associated with that because then there's this association of somehow you can't cope. And what are you mm. doing asking someone to help you out? And the, uh, my, I have a beautiful, wonderful family um, and wonderful parents who I'm very fortunate that are still around. However, they have a very different idea to therapy, and that there is weakness associated mm. with that. There's a weakness associated with breakdown. And they did not react well to the idea that there daughter was doing this um I told them three quarters of the way through all oh by the way just to let you know I'm I'm actually having therapy at the moment what you <laughs> what why what's going on and I didn't I didn't tell them the sort of full thing they sadly had to read about it in the book <laughs> um, I just gave it to the word there you go there it is all neat, neat,
0: neat, <laughs> exactly. uh, and now you can't tell but, um, anything more about that's it that's why I think
2: it's. I uh, know yeah but that's why I think it's important to for for someone like me to, to be open about it. You know, the fact that you said right at the start, I had a secret breakdown. Even the, the, the word itself is, it's it's funny and we were joking about it, but people do keep it a secret. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, you go to Tesco's and as they're going, bloop, bloop, how are you today? <laughs> Actually, I'm really not great. It doesn't <laughs> mean telling everybody. However, you know, one one thing I would say is, like now, if I'm tired and feeling overwhelmed, I go... I'm not feeling really very good and I'm I'm going to bed. No, but as I'm, as you and say you guys are gonna have to cope without me, I'm going yeah. to bed.
1: It's not about telling everybody, but it is about telling somebody. Yeah. Because shame shame is an isolator. And if you if you put things out in the light, shame can't touch it. It shame flourishes in the dark and the murk and it tells you that you are the problem.
0: Yeah. And I mean five years ago when I started having really serious panic attacks, shame was the, the thing that kept me sort of escalated my panic attacks and escalated my isolation because I thought I should exactly like we were talking about you know the mask of women and 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 how we're supposed to be copers and we're supposed to hold everything together and it it took me such a long time by that point I was hearing voices I was unraveling so badly and um so I you know I had a lot of identification with what you were saying but then so this last week you know I've been incredibly unhappy and I feel like that I feel very ashamed for saying it. Um, and I, I, as I said in, uh, earlier, you know, those tiny, um, those little voices that, you know, that you think you've got a lid on because you do all the things that help. You do the therapy and the meditation and you do walking, swimming, yoga, eating properly, you know, my dog, my kids, you know, all of that stuff. And you carve some, but I feel like lockdown or certainly lockdown one kind of took away all my, my sort of strength. For for it like well you end up with no resources yes exactly so I'm sort of at capacity and then this lot second lockdown I you know entering into it and I feel really panic like I feel panic and I had a panic attack yesterday and I haven't had one for five years and 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 you but the first thing I did was I phoned Annabelle I told my husband I told you know I'm not like. I'm trying to 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 keep it out in the light.
1: But also, so, you know, it was, it, at the end of that, at the end of the first lockdown, Emily and I spent a long time saying to each other and to anyone else who would listen, "Yes, it's fine not to be okay. It's fine mm-hmm. not to be your most creative and productive and brilliant in the middle of a global pandemic. Be kind to yourself." But now, after all this, even though we are, it's, it feels a little shaming to say we're not okay because we are the lucky ones yeah, within as well. this corona nightmare. Um, but um, but now, after all this, just to say, oh, it's all right to be not all right, isn't enough. You actually have to you have to, you have to look yourself in the eye now, yeah, don't you? Yeah,
0: properly. And I, I have to say, you know, anyone listening, you know, Andrea's book is brilliant for focusing on what it is that you need to get yourself better practical. and stronger. It's so practical. Did you write it? Thank you. To help people? Yes
2: every every word was to help people all my um you know my last book was to was to help people and it was the same mindset which was I've been through this horrific ordeal which for me it was uh, a full hysterectomy which sent me into full surgical menopause which is terrible it's it's not the same as a normal menopause it's like it's like Menopause Arnold Schwarzenegger style it's, you know it's quite style. something. It's, <laughs> <SAS> yeah, yeah, <laughs> menopause. exactly. There's exactly. Theme, SAS. <laughs> SAS menopause. Do you know, damn it, that's what I should have called it. Um so yeah, mm. it was it was the same flash set um,
0: <laughs> No, sorry, I'll stop now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no that's the preemptive way that's a whole different thing <laughs> um, but it it was the same mindset of look I've been through this this thing which really isn't great but I've I've l- investigated it I uh, uh, got eps- expert advice here's all the information. And here's lots of tips and takeaways to help you with this. So then when I had this experience, I felt the same way. I just wanted to to write about it. And interestingly, I started writing about it while I was still having it. People think I just, I quickly wrote the book afterwards. I, I journal all the time. So I, and sometimes I do it by typing. Sometimes I do it in my notebook. But I'd already got this idea of I'm experiencing something and I want to I want to put it out there. So some of it was almost real time experiences in terms of what ended up being the book. For example, the prologue of the book was written sitting on the floor, furiously scribbling to, into my notebook and it ended up becoming the prologue of the book. I didn't know it would then. And the first line in the book is, shit happens, get over it. You know, this is your, things are gonna happen to you that are not fair So moan and bitch and get it off your chest and then sit down and decide, what are you going to do about it? And it was quite ragey when I wrote it. But that was because there was someone in our life here at home and they were on the phone, on speakerphone, and they were moaning and moaning and moaning. And it was the same thing they'd been moaning about a month before, a week before, a year before, the year before that, the year before that. And I got so angry because I was in the middle of dealing what I was dealing with, but quietly and... You know, that sort of, you know, I'm the most polite anarchist you can ever meet. And I'm the most polite, nervous breakdown person you
0: can ever meet. I'm sorry. I just need to have a quiet, nervous breakdown over here. I'm just going to go and scream. I won't be a tick. Please have a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much me.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Help yourself to some nibbles. I'll be back in a moment. It was very, very like that. And um, she was moaning about stuff that she, she could control. And all the stuff that we'd say, oh, why don't you try this, and why don't you try that, was oh, I couldn't. And ah, mother- uh, that's I just thought- what
1: that's what we call an asshole. <laughs> they take all your energy. Yes. They want all your hard-earned wisdom and advice, and you and, and 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 you give it to them again and again, and they either don't listen or point out why you're wrong and you don't get it. And in the end, you just are like, you know what? Talk to someone else. Well, I wrote a book because of that. <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly <laughs> <Really good. laughs>
2: what it is. <laughs> But I, because I thought, do you know what? And and she made me so ragey because I thought everything is in your control and you are choosing to just sit in your anger and just howl at the moon and shout how, how unfair everything is. And actually, there is so much you could do to turn that rage into something positive. Just come on. But then I, I was thinking about how I was feeling, which I didn't have any rage. I mean, clearly I was angry when I was writing, but I didn't have any rage. I felt burnt out I felt dead inside and I didn't have that kind of fire of I'll show you it was the opposite I just felt I had no energy so that was when I sort of the whole idea of um you know this obviously this girl is on fire was uh, already existed as a website I was running that and I thought this, that's actually a really good name for the book because we need fire in its strongest, most positive form. Because when you're fired up with enthusiasm, you know you feel warm and energized, and everything feels great. But when you're burnt out, you're you're empty and charred, and and it's everything feels desolate and awful. So it's getting that balance right of utilizing something that we're we're born with, which is that natural. You know the way I see it is when you're born a little pilot light goes poof and comes on and that's what keeps you going through your whole life and somehow it either burns too much or it goes out altogether so it's a way of finding a, a balance so it was to talk about my experiences uh give lots and lots of stories and examples because I think that we all learn better through stories whether they're horrific stories um which makes you go oh my god I had no idea or I can't wait to share that. That's the <laughs> best bit of gossip I've ever heard because that's tragic, like we do because we're horrible deep down.
0: <laughs> I love that bit um, when you talk about your career and you say, no, I got there because I worked my butt off and I'm really great. And then you go, no, actually, um, I changed that to good. Um, but then I thought, because I thought great sounded too arrogant. And then I've changed it back to great because actually I am great. And it's like, I totally get it.
2: I think as girls, we, we're all we're also told, stop showing off. Yes. I may, I'm, I'm shy. I'm quite introverted, but I'm also really chatty, and I, and I, you know, I like being on a stage and this sort of thing. But there's this voice in the back of my head going, "Ah, stop showing off," <laughs> and I feel like I'm four again, standing with my skirt above my head like little kids do, going, "Look at my tummy," thinking, "Oh no, don't do that." I mean, clearly, I don't. I'm fifty-one now. I don't do that anymore, unless I've had tequila. I don't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> it's funny. It's It's more of the masks. I mean, I certainly have spent, you know, my entire adult life preparing to walk into that room, putting on my suit of armour, clanking through the door and wondering why no one can see me. Why can't you see me? I'm here. This is me. But actually, I'm wearing this terrifying sort of, you know, shell on the outside to try and protect. Um, And we all have our different versions of that, whether it's showing our knickers or (laughs) wearing the armour or you know or being unable to say or being able to unable to take a compliment yeah or just apologize like me just apologizing Compulsively for being apologizing. you know i'm so yeah. sorry
0: i'm here i'm so sorry you're wet cold don't have enough food need to pee you know or you know i'm so sorry i'm speaking to you whatever yes. it's like that thing i know i know yeah i know it's it is hard so tell us about um the mission of this girl is on fire the business oh my goodness well and again i i talk in the
2: in the book about how even running a business i'm i'm I'd never run a business before. And Nick keeps saying to me, yes, you have. You have been self-employed for 26 years. You run a business. The difference is it's it's just you, but you have clearly run it very well and you know exactly what you're doing. This is just a different thing. So setting up this girl is on fire. First of all, it came about just through, it was from my last book. I literally typed the end and then thought, I don't want it to finish, I want to keep the conversation going. So we we, we set up this website, we called it This Girl's on Fire, because we thought, you know, it's a sort of, it's a funny name, This Girl's on Fire, clearly I'm not a girl, I'm a grown woman, and I get a bit hot sometimes, so it <laughs> was like a little play on words. And then it just grew and grew and grew, and totally organically, and it went from being this little blog that we literally Nick set it up on my laptop. And it was just ways of I asked friends to write articles for me. And then all of a sudden, literally journalists from The Telegraph and Marie Claire and this were getting in touch with me going, I love your site. Can I write for you? Yeah, brilliant. So then I ended up, I was getting all these people getting in touch and wanting to get involved. And then I realized around about the time of having a breakdown, I'm running around working so I can pay all these amazing people to be part of the site. And the only person who's actually not getting paid is me. This is not making any business sense at all. So it was like needle off a record scratch. How do we utilize this so that it becomes something that is able to grow, but still is at its core, my mission, which is to empower women to feel great about themselves. And so we came up with this great idea which is to support female entrepreneurs so now what this girl is on fire does is basically at the moment we we're running a marketplace where female entrepreneurs and by that I mean any woman who's ever come up with a business idea and made something and sold it you are an entrepreneur it's not just people who have multi-million it's not just um, the Spanx lady who's Sarah Blakely it's not just people like that it's anyone who's come up with a business idea and made something and sold it you are an entrepreneur and it's giving them a voice and a platform so basically this girl is on fire supports women in business supporting women so we sell uh, products made by women even if say the products themselves aren't necessarily made they've been invented by by women and put together by by women and what's so exciting is that's been running now for seven months or so. In the next few weeks, we're now switching it up a gear as well. This is something we've been working on through lockdown, where we're launching a membership site, which really came off the back of my book because the response has been so genuinely overwhelming. And some of it has been heartbreaking. Uh, Some of it has just made me go, yes, because women have got in touch going, that's it. I've read your book. I've left him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not necessarily what I meant. But okay. (laughs) I think that's great. Um, Or they've emailed me to say, um, because of your book, I'm on fire. And I've always wanted to start a business. And now I have. And now I make candles. And I'm like, that's fantastic. I've also had heartbreaking stories of women who thought they'd literally reached the end of the line. And then somehow heard about my book and reading it gave them hope to just carry on another day and another day and another day and they have literally turned their life around and I just thought how can I make the book come to life it's one thing for me to hand you something to read and then you finish it and you're feeling great but now what so we're launching a membership site which is something I'm so incredibly proud of so I'll be Literally doing, uh, doing lives and webinars and talking to women in, in groups like this, talking them through all the advice that I give them on the book. But bringing on board experts who maybe are life coaches, nutritional experts, uh, business coaches, because there's so many different areas in our life that we we need mentoring in. You know, people only think of business people as having mentors, but actually we need mentoring. And You know, once once you stop speaking to your mum because you become a grumpy teenager, you don't have a mentor anymore. And then suddenly you look around and you're 51. Who do you look to that's going to show you what you're supposed to be doing? And this is what I want to bring to women. So in a, in a nutshell, because of all the feedback that I've had, it's, uh, This Girl is on Fire is basically a place where I take women who are feeling stuck I help them overcome the fear that's holding them back because most women were existing from a place of fear. I give them the the confidence that they that they're lacking. I give them the support that they need, and basically, what I'm so excited about is I then release them into the wild, feeling confident and able to choose a life they love, rather than doing what we all do, as we kind of look around and realize how how did I end up here i didn't actually choose this this is just where
1: i found yeah, myself it's a bit tight and it doesn't fit and I, and i you know it, i don't i don't like it and you know it, yeah it, it, even
2: if it's something you chose years yeah. ago and then you realize actually this isn't what i wanted after all this isn't working for me but i don't know what to do now now what i'm so excited about is that the membership will show women that you have a choice even doing nothing is a choice by you saying, oh, I, I can't make any changes, there's nothing I can do. By staying perfectly still, you're making a decision. You're choosing to do that. You just need better options. So by I'm going to show you actually how many amazing options you have and how brilliant you are and make you feel wonderful again. And it comes from a place of someone who knows what it feels like to feel nothing, absolutely nothing nothing that there was no point going on and if i can make that 180 degree switch to actually i can i now want to take my goal It's a really outlandish goal, and I was a bit shy to say it at first, but now I say it over and over because hopefully it will make it become a reality because the universe will hear, or or the universe won't have anyone else because no one else will do it. (laughs) It worked for SAS. It might work for them. I want to empower 100 million women around the world. I want to make them feel good about themselves, and I want them to see that they can be independent, whether that's financially independent, whether it's just independent of their own you know, body and and mind, within a relationship, outside of a relationship, whatever. But just to re, to remind us all that we can, we don't think we can, but we can't. You know. And what you listening to you talking about your panic attacks, I totally understand what you mean. You it's you, especially right now. The world feels like it's going mad. And interestingly, I had a terrible week last week where I felt overwhelmed by it all and. I had to take to my bed. My skin started hurting. My throat was hurting. My head was hurting. And I realized actually that was overwhelm. It wasn't it wasn't coronavirus. I was like, <laughs> fine. It was just my body was reacting physically to mentally to what is so overwhelming right now. The world is closing in. The world is going mad. Every time you switch on the news, there are terrible things happening. And I was able to stop, regroup, put myself back together again. And remind myself that actually stop looking at the bigger picture. Look at the small picture. What can I control within my life right now? And and, and I realized actually what I need to start with is what's in here. Because you can go for your walks with a dog. And you, can, well, you can't even go to the gym now because the blooming <laughs> gyms are closed. You know, all our normal outlets. So actually we need to start with our head. Yeah. And we need to find some space in there. And I've, I I know it sounds really, you know, I don't know what the word is.
1: <laughs> that's polite
2: <laughs> I want to say wanky but I don't say know I want say, to wanky.
1: say wanky
0: wanky's fine
1: <laughs> do you know I think I think when you get old and you're a bit bruised you embrace the wank as it were and <laughs> yeah, meditation meditation is not going to do you any fucking harm is it it might really change everything you know there. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know it's one of those things if you don't start you never know but also as well people have a weird
2: idea about meditation that and I embrace all of it because I actually really do enjoy it and I find it very powerful and centering experience for me but that's just me but sometimes i can be on a walk and i can feel a panic attack coming and or i can be sitting outside having a cup of coffee and the world is lovely the sun is shining i'm having a cup of coffee and i can feel i can feel it coming and you know half my brain's going what the hell you're literally sitting here having a cup of coffee why are you afraid and the other half's going i don't know but i can i can i can feel it it's starting to build up and the one trick that really, really works, and I urge everybody listening to try this, and it is a form of meditation. I've done it while walking the dog. You literally, you look around and you just say to yourself, name five things I can see. And your eyes will go, I don't know, a tree, the road, a blue car, another dog, a this. And then you you name five things I can, I can hear. Uh, traffic, th- a bird, an airplane, um, that bloomin' dog barking. Then, So it's basically what I can see, what I can hear, what I can smell, feel and taste. Sometimes you can't taste anything because you're just walking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that in itself is meditation because what you're doing is you're being fully present with where you are and your brain is like a crazy toddler that has eaten too many Smarties or Haribo or whatever and it's running around in your head and what you need to do just like you do with a crazy toddler is to go, look at that bus! Look at, th- isn't that funny? That's so funny. Look at what that dog's doing and your brain will go, what, 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 what funny thing and that's literally all you're doing and by giving it something to do, people think meditating is sitting doing nothing. It's not. It's actually giving your brain something to do that doesn't involve running
1: around going, ah, Mm. Like a toddler. And also particularly during lockdown, because during lockdown, when your brain betrays you and gets really badly behaved, it's quite hard to find to find an interesting piece of stimulus mm. to reset it. It's not just going to happen to you because you're not out in the world so much unless you're walking the dog. So you have to have, find these little exercises.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I call it my lizard brain. But it's I just have to keep remembering that what it's telling me, it, it, you know, that it, it fires thousands of thoughts a day and I am just hooking down the one negative one and I have to just let it you know I know it's going to pass this too shall pass I just have to remember that this is it you know it is going to be okay in the end if it's not okay it's not the end just tell myself over and over again you know all of those things that just, just to, just to help me kind of travel through. And, you know, I feel lucky because I've had a lot of therapy and I've had a lot of, a lot of support, you know, but, you know, there is um there's also a sort of, I think you know. If I'm honest, there's a sort of smuggery involved with with. I mean, Annabelle and I, you know, make a a, a living out of sharing how we're feeling and you know the hor- the horror and the sanity. But sometimes that's with the understanding
1: that we know and are in control of it. So look how far we've come. Yes, exactly. We can show what like crazy assholes we are yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're okay. Yeah. And, until until this you until know, have t- panic attacks. I completely stop sleeping. Yeah. Cry all day. And you then, know, whatever it might be. And
0: then we're like, oh my god, we are actually those crazy assholes still. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Keeping like, it fresh, out.
2: But, yeah. aren't, but aren't we all? <laughs> yes. Aren't we all? You know, underneath it all, and we're just
1: pretending yes. and yes, it's smiling. Called, I call it the inner savage.
0: Yes, that's it. That's exactly right. My savage is literally running around. My inner child is like howling. Everyone, you, you know, when everyone's you said, howling. When you said your brain was like a toddler and needs to be distracted, that's exactly, exactly what
1: it is. Anyway, well, try it. Yes, I am. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it all. Um, thank you for being so brave and oh. funny and brilliant <laughs> and honest. I know Is about that... your not so secret breakdown. Yes,
0: exactly. It's not secret at all. <laughs> no, nobody. I feel like. When I went, what was interesting about the it was the just the i the idea that you could and i've been there as well, where you literally go to the darkest point, the point where you're down, and then you li you put your face on and you walk out, and nobody would know what is going on I inside, know. and you know that's the thing so and I think you know, I'm sure you. A lot of people would look at you and go, "But wait, hold on. She's on TV. She's got oh, all this. She's all so shiny. She's so beautiful, and she she understands. You know, and you know, it's that that thing that you put up that one puts out. And so, yeah, it is. You know, it is not a big secret that we are <laughs> I love all. Mad. The idea
1: that <laughs> one day we'll turn on the TV, we'll see someone sitting there. and had tights will be ripped. There'll be a false eyelash hanging <laughs> off. She'll be like. Oh, hang on, that doesn't look right. (laughs) And that would be a, yes, that would be a flaunting her nervous breakdown in the daily um, math. It would be Andrew McLean flaunts, flaunts
2: her curves and nervous breakdown. Well, I can tell you, if it makes you feel, if it makes you feel any better, when, I mean, what I, one of the things I have done when I was at the height of, after I had my hysterectomy and, you know, full-blown surgical menopause, um, basically what that meant was I was having hot flushes just out of nowhere and I can remember you know sitting on live tv and I had sanitary towels underneath each armpit and basically most of my body was covered in some kind of sanitary towel and (laughs) we would get to the ad breaks and I would literally go and we'll be right back after this. And then literally the wardrobe people would come on like I was a Formula One car. And instead of tyres, they had Always Ultra. And literally they'd <laughs> dive into my armpits, rip off the sanitary towel, put it back in again and then out. And it was literally like a Formula One pit. And then I'd go, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> so you just
0: didn't see it, that's all.
1: I wish someone would show that. I know somewhere. It would be so good.
0: (laughs) Oh, honestly, I've I've absolutely loved it. It has given me so much, and you know how sometimes, you know, scheduling and whatever, just all everything happened at the right time.
1: Yeah, for me. Read today. Yes, there 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 are various things you are not meant to say to people with depression or anxiety, and one of them is everything happens for a reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's very really funny. Sorry. Okay, but it uh, genuinely did, because yes. we, were, we
1: were supposed to speak ages ago, ages ago, and then
2: it just didn't quite work out. And then actually, it's worked out for the for the better. Yeah. Here we go. I, I,
1: I, I still think you're insane to have done SES Who Dares Wins. I'm very delighted and, right. and grateful that you did it, <laughs> yes. because we've got your book from it. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much. And please, will you come back and talk to us again when this girl is on fire? Anytime. I mean, you don't even have to have helped 100 million women you know, maybe, you know. Okay. A hundred thousand. Even from just a village.
2: No,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just two. When you've helped two women, you can come and tell us about it. <laughs> Yay! Okay. You've already helped a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And Hugh McLean, you're an absolute sensation. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middlet. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and
1: subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Today I'm wearing a beautiful shade of I didn't sleep last night, so don't push it.